If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System podcast. It's episode 290. This is our 2024 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am and Bahrain Championship Bets pod. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, discuss our selection for this week's PGA and DP World Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website where we have in depth betting previews for both events. We've got strokes gain rankings for Pebble Beach. We've got form stats, plus, of course, our predictor models. All of that content. It's available completely free of charge. There's no paywall. On X, you can follow Barry at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly AT&T Pebble Beach Golf Betting Show. Please press the like button if you are listening on YouTube. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast. So we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, as ever, for those of you who leave a review. I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. This particular review is from Hamish Dorich, and he is in the UK. Entitled, Family, Love, Theme, Tune and Expertise. Five stars. Every Tuesday, my son and I listen on the way to his football training. We sing the theme tune together. And he loves hearing your thoughts and my reflections. We have the PGA on a Sunday and then it starts all over again. Wholesome family fun by the age of 14. He should be a grass expert. (laughs) That's from Hamish. Thank you very much for that touching review, I thought. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Hamish. As long as, long as your son's not uh, having a better course, that's the uh, that's the main thing. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad the uh, glad you all enjoy the uh, enjoy the banter at least. We'll have to start doing a quiz. Is it Bermuda bent grass or Poana greens this week? <laughs> Over in the states, if you are listening on Spotify, I will mention this each and every week. Now, just press the three little buttons in the corner. You will then see a list that says, within it, rate this podcast. Just flick the five stars. That's all you need to do on Spotify. I know that we're well over 500 five stars on Spotify now, so thank you to each and every one of you. If you're listening in America, Australia, Canada, Ireland, please get a five-star review across to us this week. It'd be much appreciated. We have run out, and I haven't seen many reviews from overseas recently, so if you could spare the time, we would really appreciate it. Right, we need to talk about last week. I know that Paul's seething because uh, Tiorbjorn Olsen won the week after he was on him when he was contending and then fell away, so uh, Paul's depressed. Barry's also depressed because he had an in-play bet 
at the Farmers Insurance Open. Do you want to talk about it, Barry? And um, he came very close to winning, but you, you, I think you only saw about one shot of his uh, of his back nine on the TV coverage. Is that correct? It was, it was I actually put it on before the event, and it was it was only because I saw this guy's swing on Twitter last week. I went, oh, that looks pretty good. So I said, okay, let's pick. So what a, price were you on it? I got I just put a fiver on him at six hundred on the exchange. So it was really, kind of, it was kind oh, of wow. interesting. Now I'm I'm an idiot for not backing him each way. I just kind of went for the the mega hit, but it was because mm. he hits the ball so far. I figured this could, guy could be a half decent um, shot mm. at um, Tari Pines, Jake Knapp. Um, swing is fantastic to my eye. So uh, he hits it so far, but playing he he finished two shots off. He missed a par put on seventeen from five and a half foot, which is completely unforgivable when you're trying to win a tournament. But it it took me a few minutes to find out because they just didn't show him. <laughs> it was amazing the, 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 to to be that close to the win and. I mean, part of me, I was actually more keen for him to win without them showing barely a shot of his than to actually win the bet because it would have been more fun and enjoyable to watch Twitter blow up about how much <laughs> CBS completely fudged the whole ball. I, I don't know. Their coverage, the pictures are, are you know, better to my eye than what NBC do. I've gone into a coverage take, but the... Um, the ads are incessant. It was every four minutes there were ads getting piped out. Um, you made a good point, Paul, that Sky do kind of cover a few of them by doing their own little interlude yeah. and showing a piece here or there. But even they're getting caught off guard by how regular these ads are. And I don't know how people out, you know, in the States or Canada watch because you know they're getting hit with more ads and more crap. It's it was infuriating to watch even here. So, I don't know. Um, better pictures, but I just thought a, a less watchable product overall. Mm. Yeah. And ultimately, he couldn't uh, couldn't get the job done, which was a shame for your bet as well, because uh, no, 600 to 1 winner. 600 to 1? Wow. Would have been huge. You need to press that each way button, Barry. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, for, At 600 to 1. Oh, well, he wasn't 600 to 1 each way. That was the exchange was very juicy. Yeah. He was, if I wanted a reasonable amount of places, he was like 160, I think, somewhere around that. Now, I should have, listen, hindsight's twenty twenty. I should have put it on, but I got greedy. So it was a cheaper mm. way to, it was a cheaper way to back him by just throwing a little fiver on the exchange and seeing what I could max out. But also a valuable lesson that um, a player who's a bit of an unknown, is just you're not going to get anything good to lay him off on the exchange. Um, and especially, no, we said this. Especially when they're not showing him on TV, so nobody's nobody's you know adjusting anything based on that. So, yeah, you, if, you're, if you're on a long shot like that in the exchange, you know you're just riding it all the way till the win or bust. Hmm. Yep. I've been made to look very silly that early on in this PGA Tour season. It's ridiculous. 150 to 1, 400 to 1, 300 to 1, and now 125 to 1 winners. Why haven't you what picked you any of them, Steve? Huh? <laughs> Why have, it's, 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 it's what we like to see, but um, we're missing them. So we've got to figure out the formula. Yeah. It's not really the waters I tend to, um, to feast in, but... Um, you got. To, I mean, 
I was, I was going to ask you this one, Paul. I mean, Matteo Pivot, clearly a, a talented sort, gets into uh, into the PGA Tour via the DP World Tour last year. Mm. And he starts, I mean, did you foresee this? He, he starts the year by contending straight away at the Sony Open. Yep. And then he continues that great form to, uh, you know, it was a pretty loaded event, the Farmers Insurance Open. It's not like winning, I don't know, like the Barracuda Championship or something. There was plenty of elite players in that field. And, you know, Nikolai Hoygaard, another one that came straight across from a contending performance at the Dubai Desert Classic. And then he he's absolutely eating Torrey Pines as well. And this don't forget, this is a golf course where only one player since 1957 had won on course debut. Yeah. And that was John Rahm. And then you've got Pat, Matteo Pavon and Nikolai Hoygaard having a shootout. To, who's who's going to win it for the DP World Tour? Well, this Crazy. Is it. It was, it was a proper European-looking leaderboard at, at times, and, and certainly the, uh, the, the the final output with Pavon up there. I, you go back, um, he didn't get his first DP World Tour win until October of this year, and wow. you know he's one of those players that you know I've looked at, and we've we've all collectively um, seen on odds, you know, in, in markets on the DP World Tour over the years, and you kind of your view is well, yeah, he can play, but when push comes to shove, is he actually going to get over the line? And yeah, he did eventually. And uh, I think it was um, Spain. I think it was a Spanish Open, wasn't it, in October? Um, but then to show the stones that he did on hmm. the seventy-second hole to you know to, to nail that approach and make the putt under the most intense pressure to win your first PGA Tour title, um, yeah, seriously impressive, seriously impressive. And you know the, the players that were lined up behind him particularly on Sunday that you know could and perhaps should have made a charge you know the, the, the Tony Finnows the you know the, the the players that you'd expect to potentially come through and uh, and, and just snatch that from these you know these upstarts that are, are trying to uh, trying to make a break, breakthrough on the PJ Tour it just didn't happen did it it was no really good you're absolutely spot on it's, it's amazing what his rise he was 228th in the world Arriving at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship last year, and he's had he's finished sixth there, won the Open de Spagna, ninth at the Estrella Darm Andalusia Masters. He then went down to South Africa, fifteenth, fifth at the DP World Tour Championship, mega loaded field. Flies across to America, seventh in Sony Open. 39th at the American Express, and then wins the Farmers Insurance Open. Gets a multi-win bonus on the world rankings. Now sits in 34th place in the world. Wow. That is some rise. <clears throat> yep. Huge for him. Amazing. I would have thought he's a little bit disappointed. He's not Ryder Cup year, but um, <laughs> we won't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, just some thoughts. There's uh, severe rumours, if not fact, in the press, chaps, that um, Tyrrell Hatton and Adrian Moronk are joining Liv on Wednesday of this week. It's going to be announced in a press conference. You'll you'll just just reiterate your thoughts from the podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, I suppose. Mm. It's going to happen, isn't it? Because um, there's there's so much smoke. And there's no smoke without uh, some kind of fire. Um, I, as you said, nothing's been confirmed, but um, the the rumor mill is um, on absolute overload. And uh, yeah, both Moronk last week and Hatton this week pulled out of their respective events. So 
Um, looks like a looks like a done deal, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, it's, I'd say things are coming to a head, but things just seem to be continuing to progress and uh, yeah, sticking a sticking a dagger into the golf product as it is right now. Yeah. I haven't seen any... Have you seen any official announcement that he's actually out of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am? I'm on the Oracle Rob Bolton's Twitter feed and it hasn't mentioned it on there so far. We're recording this very early on a Tuesday morning in the UK, just for reference. So it's certainly Mm. been pulled from all of the bookmakers' lists yesterday, hadn't he? Yeah. You can't back him. So anyway, right. I don't know. It's just it all seems very up in the air. It's just that something needs to be finalised with all of this, and then, mm. you know you, you've then got lots of live players now that are playing week in week out on the DP World Tour. Yep. Yep. Bernd Wiesberger, for example, and Wacky Neiman a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we need clarification for sure. Should we actually get on to the... Uh, oh, did you want to mention anything about Tilby on Olsen, Paul, to just pull, 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 pull some scorn on that as well before we move on? <laughs> just to bring the uh, bring the podcast right down. No, I, you know, Olsen played fantastic. I, I backed him the week before. Um, you know, I'd, I'd made my point about Olsen last week on the pod and um, frustrating as it is to see someone go and win the following week. Um, he did it in fine style after a little bit of a wobble on uh, on Sunday Right at the start of the uh, start of the start of the round, but other than that, he he, he finished it off in um, in true style. Callum Shinquin for me um, was the yeah. dis- disappointment really because he started so so well, ten under on Thursday, led by two, was um, favourite for for periods of time around uh, Thursday Friday, um, and then just a couple of really flat days Friday. I know it's, it's always difficult to back up a, a really low round with another and his putter was absolutely on fire on the Thursday which isn't always the way it works with Callum Shinquin. Um, but th- yeah, Friday was fine. Um, it kind of just stayed where he was and then uh, Saturday was the killer, wasn't it? Level par around that course where you know, Olsen was shooting, what, 62, 63, whatever the number was that he, he shot on, uh, on Saturday and far too far off the lead so didn't happen to be fair he did manage to scrape a full each way place with the um, with the eight places so um, I can't really argue no. or complain about that from a hundred he was last man shot. in wasn't he for a full each way payout yeah yeah and um, you know yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I, ultimately if you're not going to win and he was what nine shots off the lead or something like that but by the end so um you know, at the end of it, you just got to take the each way money and um, scuttle off to the next tournament. For reference, that was Teal Bjorn's eighth DP stroke European Tour win. Mm. And of course, now he can kind of relax and head over to the US to start his PGA Tour campaign. He can indeed. With a nice win in the bank on the DP World Tour. Interesting. It's been fascinating to see how some players have stuck with the DP World Tour. Others like Pavon have gone straight away. Falamaki did the same. Uh, clearly, Robert McIntyre's gone across to um, to to actually live in Florida now. So you get you're getting these different approaches, different players, different I, I suppose backgrounds and family setups and whatever. Some are still playing DP World Tour, and then we'll go over to the states. Others have literally just gone in two footed. Right, we're going to get stuck in from the start. So mm. it's worked for Olsen. There's no doubt about that. 
Let's talk about this week's action, chaps. We move, firstly, to the AT&T Pebble, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Now, this, traditionally, is always one of those tournaments that I don't particularly look forward to. It's got nothing to do with the courses. Um, it's, it's just to do with, A, the coverage, B, the fact that it's a Pro-Am, and C, the fact that rounds used to take about eight hours. Uh, you'd be staring at a leaderboard for about 30 minutes and then literally your player would sort of just, oh, yeah, he's made a par on that hole. Then look again half an hour later. Oh, um, uh, these are my players. Oh, he's made double bogey on the next. Uh, it, it's a very, it was a very slow-moving tournament. But this year, a completely different format. We are dealing with the second signature event of 2024 on the PGA Tour. That means a couple of things. It's a $20 million purse. That means all of the best players arrive. It also means no cut. We still have amateurs, so they can still call it a pro-am. But it's a shortened field, 90 players. And the amateurs only play Thursday and Friday. By the weekend, amateurs have disappeared. And the format's also changed on the basis of this used to be a full 156-man event with amateurs. They would spread it over three courses. This year, they've only got two courses. Uh, clearly, Pebble Beach Golf Links, which needs no introduction, major championship venue. That will play. They will play three rounds there and one single round either on a Thursday or the Friday at Spyglass Hill. Interesting format. Um, no cup. So I think last time at the century, uh, it's a slightly bigger field. I mean, even the guy finishing last ended up with like $35,000. So it's, it's not a bad day's work if you're a professional. And of course, you're getting FedEx Cup points even if you're finishing in last spot. So um, you can see why the top players in the world covet these uh, signature events quite highly. Two courses, clearly Pebble Beach Golf Links, 6,972 yards in length. Uh, this is always a stat that I love. 116 bunkers on Pebble Beach, and some of them are pretty, pretty deep and nasty. Uh, the fairways are quite wide, over 30 yards white uh, to, 300, to 325 yard carry. Now, compare that to Torrey Pines last week. Barry said he, you know, he went for nap. You can see why bombers there do thrive. 25 yards wide at 300-yard carrier. So these fairways are over six, you know, five, six yards wider, and we're talking about a golf course that's almost 900 yards shorter. So you do tend to get very high fairway percentages here, even for the guys that are wayward, you know, so anything over 60%. Um, but the, the real telltale about Pebble Beach, clearly the postage stamp hole and the like, greens are tiny. Three and a half thousand square feet. They are the smallest on the PGA Tour, I believe. And this, uh, this, <laughs> they are Poana grass. The greens this week, Poana. So the second week in the trot on the trot, we've got Poana greens. Uh, rough, not as long this week, chaps. The the coverage of the rough last week was uh, was US. They were Keegan Bradley described it before the tee off on Thursday on Wednesday. Sorry. As you know, it was US Open rough this week, two to three inches. 
it's perennial ryegrass overseed poana. So we haven't got any kikuyu grass involved at Pebble Beach. Interesting betting heat. Clearly McElroy makes his PGA to a debut. It's loaded. Scheffler's there. Victor Hovland, who won the US Amateur on this golf course, is the third favourite. Right. Bookmaker of the week. We are highlighting Bet365. Who has ever had their each way extra market available, which gives you the option to increase or decrease the number of places when you are betting pre-event on Pebble Beach. As we highlighted last week, each way extra are now offering eight places, ten, or even twelve places, all at 150 odds across both the PGA and DP World Tour event this week, which is the Bahrain Championship. Right now, as we record the pod, they are offering eight places each way and extended market best odds on players such as McElroy at 15 to 2. He's only 6 to 1 with Skybet in their 8th place market. Jordan Spieth, 16 to 1. He's only 14 to 1 with Sky. Max Homer is 16 to 1. He's again 14 to 1 with Skybet. Or how about Ben Arn? Now Ben Arn is 40 to 1 with Bet365, 8 places each way of 50 odds at the moment. He's only 33 to 1 with Betfred, Ball Sports, and Skybet in their eight places each way markets. In terms of boosts, you can get Rory McIlroy boosted from eight to one to nine to one in their general market. You can also get Xander Schofle. He's being boosted from 12 to one to 14 to one in their each way extra eight places market. If you are 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account, you can find details of their current Bet10 pounds Get £30 in free bets, new customer promotion, plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in the podcast description. Don't forget to use the bonus code SPORT30. That is SPORT30 when registering. Ben Arn. Ben Arn has been backed in. On first show Monday, I was seeing 60. I might have even seen a 66 to 1 on Ben Arn. With his current form, he is being backed off the boards, is Ben Arn. You'll be glad to know, listeners, I am not on Ben Arn. So <laughs> if you fancy following the freight train that is Ben Arn, he's still on my post-it note of doom, so um, he's, he's going nowhere near my selections. But if you want a guy that's in hot form, looking at my eight-week trackers, I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that Ben Arn ranks number one for strokes gained current form. Tied with Justin Thomas. Mm. Any thoughts on the event before we go for our selections? Do, uh, you know, do you do you like the new format? Do you like the tournament in general? What skill sets do you think the players need to show? I'll throw it out there while I can have a slug of tea. Yeah, he's playing some nice stuff, Benny Ann, isn't he? Um, I can see why the, I can see why the market's gone that way. Now, the, the thing I picked up from this is. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a shorter field, isn't it? Eighty, I think, is it this week? Um, is it eighty or ninety? I don't. Know. I think it's eighty. He's eighty, um, okay. The um, so better quality field overall in that respect because you know you've got so many of the world's top fifty in there, but they've also improved the quality of the amateurs apparently. So it's only lower handicap amateurs who are playing this week. So you talked about. Um, these horrifically long waits and uh, you know people hacking it around and rounds taking absolutely forever. Um, apparently, the quality of the amateurs is better, so it should be <laughs> theoretically um, some slightly faster rounds this uh, this year. We shall see. Apparently, no Bill Murray this year either. So um, 
No Bill Murray. No, what about Kenny G? I think you know some of these guys have, have, have you know they've, they've missed the cut, Steve. They're, 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 they've missed the cut. <laughs> no Kenny G, no Bill Murray. What the hell? So um, yeah, I think you needed to be of a um, a certain pretty pretty high level to uh, to get yourself um, into the into the pro am or the, the chief field. executive of Morgan Stanley or or one of these high end businesses. Yeah, I'm sure you they they cruise through. Mm. So hopefully that should make it slightly less painful in terms of a, yeah. a viewing spectacle this week. We'll see. I'm quickly going to look at the weather forecast. Barry, what, what do you think, just as a viewer of this over the years, what do you think are key attributes that players need to show? I mean, just looking at the like the winners list, you know, your Nick Taylors, your Phil Mickelsons, your Justin Roses, your Tom Hoagies. Is it, is it shouting any particular skill set to you? Any kind of operator skills that we need to look out for? It's <clears throat> with the targets of the green so small. It's uh, it's in a for mm. me. It's hit your irons really well this week, very accurately. Um, and then and then have a the, the life ra- the life raft or the life belt of a very good scrambling game. So yeah, yeah. I, it's. I don't, it, it, there, there seems to be like the little thing, a little bit of magic that kicks in. Like, you know, Phil's got that epic short game, um, which, which would work for him. Um, the, the, the other two boys, Taylor and Hoagie, like neither of them strike you as uh, particularly long players. So it's, it's a more um, fair test, I guess. You know, it doesn't reward that length as much as others. So, Everybody's got a bit more of a level chance of winning. It's, um, I guess when it, when it comes to the pro am format, there's there was another like X factor there that some pros just wouldn't um, handle those five six hour rounds as well as others. So that mm. that was impacting some. You know, if you're betting betting on the pros, that was that had some sort of impact on your bets. Uh, it's it. Aside from having the the higher skilled amateurs this week with less players on each course, it should be just a little bit less with eighty. So it's forty each course versus the one. It's probably forty five or fifty pro uh, teams on each course um, in previous years. It should just yeah. be that little bit easier um, for yeah. for traffic on the course, and, and that should flow a little bit better. So maybe they found a really good formula for this. Um, I still think that I'm quite strongly against the the no cut situation. I think the cuts like a part of golf that's all well been there as far as as long as I've known it. So um, it it's like a skill to make the cut and to not miss it. So mm. yeah, it's like we're going to see a lot. Of, yeah, going to see a lot of this as well, aren't we? This year, it'll be interesting to see how the conversation flows around it because you know we'll, we'll get quite a few of these events now um on tour and they'll be highlighting them on the signature series yada 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 so it'll be be interesting to see what kind of what what the commentators are saying the ones from the states the ones from sky what the players are reacting to i, I don't know i i kind of like as much as i hate missing you know when you have bets on your, your guy misses a cut like it's just it's part and parcel of the game and the there's a lot of ways to get into these events, but not a huge amount. There's a lot of, it feels like the players who are there are quite protected now and they will continue to be protected once you get in here 
and don't play like a complete donkey you, you can you're getting like double rewarded for doing your job mm. so it's um look it, this could just be a one-year thing so there's probably not too much point in getting too um deep into it but it'll be interesting to see how it all works out uh, yeah. at the end of the day we get some <clears throat> we get some really high quality feels together more regularly and that's kind of a cool thing and we should hopefully see some very exciting leaderboards and finishes then based on the, the you know condensing of that many good players into a short field it, sh- it should give us some good entertainment and maybe it'll give Steve a few shorter price um, players in contention versus trying to find the 400 to 1 shots that will win <laughs> well I have got a triple digit on board but I tell you what's formed my selections this week chaps it's the weather we're we're talking coastal golf here, and, and regulars will know. Paul, you know, Paul, you deal with a lot of coastal assignments on the DP World Tour. Your, you know, Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championships, of course, the Open. We know with these um, tournaments, Scottish Open, weather by the coast dictates pretty much everything. Well. January was particularly wet in this Pebble Beach, Monterey area. We're talking some serious rainfall. And that, chaps, is going to get topped up on Wednesday. Uh, you, I think the, the organisers will be glad. There's going to be a lot of pros heading to Pebble Beach very early on Wednesday because as of 10, 1 o'clock, we're seeing gusts up to 40 miles an hour, apparently at Pebble Beach and Spyglass Hill. And just looking at the weather forecast, it is due to rain on Wednesday. I'm talking local time here, by the way. From, uh, it's it's 80% chance of rain or 75% chance of rain from 2 o'clock. And that rain doesn't seem to stop through all the way to Thursday, Thursday early morning. We've still got 60 70 80 percent chance of rain is there's going to be i wouldn't be surprised you know if this doesn't start on time because of murky foggy damp weather Mm. so this golf course these two golf courses are firstly going to be sopping wet so again as i say most weeks if we've got any kind of wind or go to the predictor models there is a link in the description of the podcast and just look in our soft category for players that have done well on soft golf courses over the last five years. There's wind in there. Uh, the wind looks like it's dropped slightly, actually, because it looked like there was going to be lots of wind on Friday. That's And this is what you also get. These forecasts tend to be all over the place. Uh, Thursday looks fairly pleasant from a uh, wind perspective, but as I said, there could be rain throughout. There's chances of rain on Friday, but calm conditions. Sunday though, oh, this is this has literally just popped up over overnight on the weather forecast on Windfinder. If it's as bad as it looks, they they won't be playing on Sunday. It's going to be a Monday finish. <laughs> I mean, gusts up to sixty five miles an hour in tremendous rain. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Not it. happening, is it? We had a by the way, we had a Monday finish for this last year. If you remember, with Justin Rose winning. Mm. Yep. So anyway, forecasts do change. But all of this unpleasant weather, and I read a I read a Max Homer interview on Saturday after he finished the Farmers Insurance Open, and he said, even in that interview, 
you know, we all know that the weather at Pebble Beach looks like it's set. It's it's going to be a rough week. And undoubtedly, just looking at these forecasts, it's going to be a week that's wet and cold, minimum. There could also be some serious gusts of wind across the four days, um, you know, who knows? The forecasters clearly don't know because it's changing from one 12-hour cycle to another. So it says to me, it does throw to me, chaps, players that can hang around, players that can, can, can grind, players that potentially have that open championship background to them that can stand there on the tee in 10 degrees Celsius conditions, not having to wear mitts on their hands and all this rubbish that we see. Players that can get down and dirty and can just grind their way through 72 holes of golf and keep themselves towards the top of a leaderboard. And Barry mentioned something very, very important, short game. With such small greens, such poor conditions, potentially, you're going to have to have a... I know that the from a strokes gained metric, these it's not it's not difficult to scramble at Pebble Beach particularly, but if you're missing green a number of greens, you've got to have a short game that just clears those mistakes up, walk away with a par, move on to the next hole because you can't drown a sea of bogeys in this format by just you know automatic bogey when I miss the green just isn't tolerated mm. at Pebble Beach. Some level of, of 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 short game from the rough. I still think, though. I mean, just looking at it, it was windy as hell last year, and, and um, Rose still got to eighteen under par, I believe. Yeah. So it's still scorable. You know, this isn't going to be U.S. Open minus six winning, but you are going to have a lot of players that, as soon as they arrive and start playing, will just complain that it's cold because it is, <laughs> that it's wet because it will be. And 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 also they've got Poana on the greens, and that's another you know a lot of guys. Oh, I don't like, I can't putt on Poana. So it's just you know trying to find players that you think are going to fit the conditions, fit the golf course in terms of approach play. This isn't a bombers golf course, and also just hang around. Experience, I think, is important this week. Well, I've gone for four. Uh, I've gone for two sub twenty to one. Uh, I've got Jordan Spieth at the top of the shop. Um, you knew he'd be popular. I'm on him at 16 to 1, two points each way. You, for me, the worse the conditions, the better Jordan Speed tends to play. He's got short game for days. Um, he was first for strokes game putting at Kapalua when you were on board, Barry. And I, that was his best performance at Kapalua since 2017, you know, that third place. And that year, he went on to win the AT&T Pebble Beach in 2017 at 9-1. to one. Um, Clearly, the field wouldn't have been nearly as strong, but I, I just thought 16-1. to one. I know some people were lucky to get a Skybet market who put the market up on a Sunday. They got 20-1 to one on Spieth. Um, I'd have bitten your hand off for 20-1 for Jordan Spieth at Pebble Beach. Perfect course for him, in my mind. Um, played very neatly from tee to green. But the thing that really did impress me was those putting numbers. And when Jordan Spieth putts well, and he had a little, you know, you go back to you go back to 2015, Jordan Spieth, he was chipping everything in from 40 feet, you know, from 40 yards and around. He was holding 60-foot putts as if it was going out of fashion. When his putter's hot, 
And we saw this last year. He had a good spell with the putter. He was third at Copperhead, fourth at Augusta National, and second at Harpertown behind Matt Fitzpatrick. When he's got confidence in the putter on shorter golf courses, I clearly don't include Augusta National in that, um, I think he's a real danger. So I'm on Spieth at 16-1. to 1. The other one I've gone for, and I know this probably might get some interest from one or two of you guys. I've, we've done this for so many years. Paul was betting with Tjorbjorn Olsen uh, two weeks ago, or last week. I'm sticking with Max Homer. This forecast and the likely level of scoring needed to win, I think suits Max down to the ground. I always hark back to that win that he had at TPC Potomac. And I went back into the weather records. And for the last two days, it was extremely windy. It didn't clear 10 degrees Celsius, 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And he won that event from Matt Fitzpatrick. I think he shot eight under par, something like that. But I just think mid-teens, horrible conditions, wet. Maybe some wind around. I think this will suit Max Homer to the round. If he wins this week, that would then give him the full suite of main tour California courses. Riviera, Silverado, Torrey Pines, Pebble Beach. So I'm on Homer. I, I managed to get eight places each way with Bet365, of course, at 18-1. to 1. So those are my two at the top of the market. Anyone taking your fancy chaps? Anyone uh, in that in that ilk, that twenty to one kind of spot? No, I've got a couple, but my 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 first one's a little bit longer and is shared with you, so um, I can chip in at that point. But um, yeah, I've got another one after that who's a, a three figure shot, but nothing uh, nothing right at the top. Barry. I'm not sure about the top of the market at the moment. I'm kind of swinging for the fences, having missed a few weeks. So I, I'm a bit, yeah. I like the speed call um, and the home call. They're both very appealing. I'm, I might pick one. I might back both of them on the exchange. I might back neither. Um, so I'm kind of confused at the moment. I do. I have one bet on already. Um, he doesn't really match up to any models that I'm seeing too well, but couldn't get him out of my head. Um, he had a 14th in the Pro-Am here a couple of years ago, um, second a couple of weeks ago, on a pretty decent run other than his miscut last week, but Christian Bezadenhout. Mm-hmm. I think he sits in the top five for my eight-week rolling strokes gained approach metric, Bezadenhout. That shows you how well he's been. Even with that miscut last week, he was still gaining... A massive chunk of, um, of of strokes with the approach play. Mm. Just everything else was terrible. Yeah, but so yeah, he, he's clearly got dialed in irons right now, which I, is what you're going to need here. Wedge play, wedge play, wedge play. Hoping, hoping he cleaned up the rest of the game with the weekend off. Hmm. hoot. Yeah, the sort. And of course, Presidents Cup here. I couldn't resist 33-1 to 1 on Matt Fitzpatrick either. And I can see... Uh, uh, is this the one you were talking about, Paul? Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. go on in. Take, take the listeners through your reasoning on yeah, Matt. It's, it's probably quite similar to yours, really. But, um, yeah, I, I, I thought if you, you just scroll down the list a little bit, then Fitzpatrick's name stuck out to me at a, a 
decent each way backable price. He won the um, Heritage last year. You mentioned that a second ago. Won the Dunhill Links in October, and that was in um, pretty <laughs> filthy conditions, wasn't it? it? It wasn't particularly nice. So he's got that. Um, he's got that history of having done that. Also, he's in Sheffield, Paul. Well. Yeah, he, he's used to terrible weather, for God's sake. And he went to Chicago University. He's used to the cold. Yeah, it's not going to bother him, is it? It's no. not going to bother him. He's he's got the job done in those kind of conditions and in a pro-am format in the past. So um, there's a couple of good boxes already ticked. Um, decent at the century, 14th. Mr. Cut the Sony, not particularly worried about that. And some some decent enough pebble form as well. 12th here at the uh, 2019 US Open. And then 6th. Uh, two years ago 2022 in this pro-am format as well so i think for me fitzpatrick's the kind of player that's uh well capable of taking this title um against an elite field and that is the point with this it is an elite field so um for you know for us to see yet another you know out of the blue real long shot come through and win this would be um would be more of a surprise this week for me yeah i think so I mean, Kirk was a huge surprise in the first mm. one of these. Um, yeah. If you get two on the trot, I mean, what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, We've said that the last few weeks. It's just been week no, after no. week, which is why I like having a long shot on board. <laughs> I, I was last week. You can't, don't. I mean, I'm tempted on Nikolai Hoygaard, but, you know, players that play the Farmers and have never played there before, they'll only be arriving on the Monday. They got the start on the Wednesday. And then you looked at the leaderboard and it was just like Europeans that had never played that event before. And you're like, right, okay. It's all, you know, it's just, it's just total and utter. Everything you'd suggest goes completely the opposite at the moment. Mm. One thing I say about Fitzpatrick, and Paul just banged on, uh, he just banged this point on the, the nail on the head. That win that he had at the Alfred Dunhill Links last October, I mean, the, the courses were flooded, weren't they? It was mm. absolutely horrible. And he shot 19 under to win that across 54 holes. Yep. On a sopping wet setup. Yeah, and, and as we know, up in Scotland, the, that wouldn't have been anywhere warmer than ten to twelve degrees no, Celsius. No, no. no chance. Some really strong parallels to this week, by the looks of it. Mm. Here, here's one for you. Go on what, what if I suggested a player to you that has won very recently? Yeah, is thirteenth in your strokes gained total rankings. Eleventh tee to green, seventh around the green. 11 yeah. strokes gained approach, and you can get him at 40 to 1 and 50 to 1 on the exchange. Would you be Tell interested? Tell us who it is. It's Tommy Fleetwood. Oh, I'd be interested. Tommy Fleetwood. Mm. Pavan just set the precedent there, winning Europe recently, go over, win in the States. Tommy, yeah. we, know Tom, we know Tommy can flight the ball very well in the tough conditions. Um, why I, I, the only real the only real challenger to to Lowry at that ridiculously difficult open um, Irish based Open Championship a few years ago. Mm. Decent record at the Dunhill Links as well over the years. Come close a couple of times from memory. Mm. I wonder if I can yeah, get worse bets can get on get on board Tommy for his first win and over there in the US. He's certainly going to be confident, isn't he, after the victory he had in Dubai a few weeks ago? If you're not confident now... Undoubtedly. Yeah. It's, 
the no he turned down thing. the live money, didn't he? He, he came out. I'd, uh, I had an offer. I didn't go. Clearly, they up they up tills offer a little bit higher, and tills like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah what I'll, if, I'll play. What if, what I'll if, play in front of ten people next week. No problem. <laughs> ten. Okay. Wow, they're selling out. <laughs> what if? Um, what if that little thing is just an extra little blip in his cap or pep in his step? He's like, I'll show this. Watch, watch this, boys. Watch this. Little kind of friendly rivalry mm. thing with Tyrrell. Like, huh, I won this week. What do you do? Okay, you got a big check. Mm. But... Yeah. We're at a tournament here, chaps, as well, that has thrown up some weird and wacky winners. Nick Taylor at 160 to 1. And, of course, Paul's. <laughs> Paul's absolute love affair. Your favourite TBJ, Paul. He won this. What I wonder, was it 200? Was it 400 to 1? Might have been six hundred to one, Steve. It was it's something obscene, wasn't it? Unfortunately, you can't back him this week because he's not playing. I, I, <laughs> I, I've no idea where Ted Potter Jr. would be playing. He's not even playing the DP World Tour this mm. week, uh, Kaching. But weird stuff happens. Weird stuff has been happening. I was tempted to go with Brandon Wu here, who's got he was second here last year. When it's wet, windy. Puerto Rico, uh, Mexico, these kind of coastal courses. He's played well in the past. In the end, though, I stumped for Kurt Kitayama. And we've had some success with Kitayama over the years on this podcast. Um, A player that won the Arnold Palmer Invitational last year at a very wind-swept Bay Hill. Um, has decent records on tougher goal assignments, like third at the Honda Classic, second at the Mexico Open, second at a Scottish Open at Renaissance Club, which when I that was the one that Xander won at barely scratching double digits. Mm. He was also second at the CJ Cup, the one that Rory McIlroy won at that Kona Congaree golf course. Yeah. Sixth at the PGA Championship at Oak Hill, tight, classical, old-style golf course. Grew up in Northern California. And he mentioned in an interview last year, because he was leading here after 54 holes, that he played Spyglass Hill a bunch in his junior golfing days and had plenty of experience at Pebble Beach as well. 18th here when a rookie in 2020, 29th here last year, but as I said, fell apart on Sunday, was in the final group with Justin Rose and Peter Malnati. And I just, whenever it's a stretch, whenever the course is pretty horrid and the scoring isn't 35 under par, which isn't many weeks on the PGA Tour, but this week's one of them, Kitty Armour's the sort that can just jump up a leaderboard and hang around. So I'm on Kitayama at 110 to one. Paul, what, what's your triple digit selection? Um, well, it's probably still on your list, actually. Um, it's one of those names that's simply not trendy, I think, and that's why you always get him at a decent price. Brendan. Brendan Todd. Todd. Yeah, Brendan Todd, 100 to one. Uh, I can read your uh, mind. <laughs> um. Yeah, it it is just one of those names, isn't he? You know, he always seems to be priced at a level where um, you kind of look at it and thinking, well, he is he's capable and he's well capable in the right kind of course. Got a strong coastal record, as we know. Um, Got a strong record here as well. Ninth in twenty twelve, tenth in twenty fifteen, second last year as well, and he's been popping up on many a leaderboard. 
uh, for quite some time now. If you go back to the Fortinet in September, he was sixth there overall. Uh, yeah. sixth, at, sixth at the halfway to um, on the at the Bermuda Championship, tenth mm. to halfway at the, the RSM Classic, second to halfway at the Century, and uh, you know we've talked about the Century, the elevated field quality um, fell away again, and in fact it fell away in all of those. But there's something bubbling for him to be um, in the mix so regularly. Um, after 36 maybe in 54 holes he was seventh after the first day at the sony on his last start as well so there's plenty of good rounds in there just needs to string all four rounds together um, but uh, yeah perhaps this is the week you'd uh, love him in kind of 10th 12th spot going into sunday wouldn't you where he can just free roll to a lovely each way finish mm, yeah you don't yeah, want I'd... him in the final group on sunday yeah, I, 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 again, going back to my point about the quality of the field, I don't expect Brendan Todd to win this, but yeah, is the scope for him to uh, to, to make the each-way places in, yeah. a, in a limited field? Yeah, potentially. Mm, yeah. I'll take a chance at 100-1. All of those courses you mentioned have great correlation. Mm. Smaller greens, clearly Silverado is classical, but inland, but small greens, Poana, and the others were coastal, so yeah. Bermuda, very, very close to this course. Yeah. This is a course that basically does not discriminate off the tee, which is a Brendan Todd kind of course, isn't it? Where power is not important at all this week. Mm. Is there any final selections for you, Barry, before we move on to Bahrain? No, I think we're good. Take us away then, Paul. Bahrain Championship. This is a this is a new event on the DP World Tour, is my understanding, correct? It is, yeah. Another new event for us to uh, to get our teeth into in the in the Middle East after the uh, Dubai Invitational that we had to uh, to kick off the twenty twenty four calendar. Actually, very similar field, almost and almost identical, in fact, to to last week in uh, Raz Al Khaimah. Big exception is uh, the winner, Thurbjorn Olsen. He pulled out yesterday lunchtime, which had all of the bookies scrambling to uh, readjust oh, their God. odds. Oh wow! <laughs> I can imagine. So it was a sea of blue on um, a multitude of players yesterday when Olsen went. He was chalked up as the second favourite at the time. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's evidently had a an impact on the market. The favourite now, Rasmus Huygard, ten to one is the best out there. I suspect he's going to be shorter than that. Nine to one is probably where he'll start in places. Yannick Paul eighteen to one. Jordan Smith twenty to one. Kate Nakajima twenty to one. Uh, Xander Lombard twenty two. Antoine Rosner twenty five to one. Sebastian Soderberg twenty five to one. He's been heavily backed. Soderberg 30 to 1 bar those few players. Ball sports are eight places, a fifth of the odds are standard this week. Bet 365, as Steve has already mentioned, um, are once again running their each way extra on this event. So do shop about plenty of each way options out there for this 132 man field. Paul, can I interject? Hmm. You know me, I'm an absolute junkie when it comes to finding the most smallest bits of detail on fields. I get yeah. so excited about it, it's unbelievable. <laughs> we have got a number of PGA Tour refugees this week, chaps. Harrison Endicott, who mm. actually played on the tour last week. He's come across, the Australian, but we've got some cracking names here. We've got, of course, Matthias Swab, 
and uh, we've got Dylan Fratelli. And then, listen to these two. For the second week running, Sung Kang and Jonas Blixt is playing. PGA Tour refugee status. Ryan Palmer was due to play this and clearly bottled it at the last minute. Yeah, I, I don't know where... He, he, he disappeared off the list, didn't he? He did, he, didn't he? It was certainly there because I saw him. He was you there, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but he was coming, Ryan, and clearly he was going to share a jet with Harrison and that, and in the end, nah, nah, I'm staying at home. But this is the back door that we said, isn't it? Mm. You know, clearly players have gone DP World Tour to PJ Tour, but players that are 126 and below can't get starts on the PJ Tour can come and play DP World Tour. We've seen Kevin Chappell do it. They're not doing it very well, but they are coming across. <laughs> There's a uh, We had MJ Daffy the other week. Yeah. There's one I've forgotten. Uh, Kevin Tway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Sorry about that. I just thought I'd have to... It's got absolutely nothing to do with who's going to do well this week. I just thought I'd throw that in. Well, it, it's it's interesting because we, we always need to consider these players who drop down a level. <clears throat> and ultimately it is, you know, they, they are dropping down from regular PGA Tour events that they've been playing. As you say, not playing um, overly well, but playing, playing at that level nonetheless. And then teeing it up in what? let's be fair, is a pretty low-level DP World Tour event. And, yeah. you know, should some of these guys shine in that, yeah, I, I expect it's only a matter of time before we do see one or more of these players um, seriously contending one of these tournaments and, uh, you know, justify their choice to come over. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, the course, um, we're playing at the Royal Golf Club in Bahrain. It's a 7,261-yard par 72. It's a Colin Montgomery original. Um, it's had a little bit of a uh, redesign of late, which I'll touch on in a second. Typical desert-style affair, exposed fairways, pretty wide fairways as well. Four par fives, a couple of short par fours. A lot of the scoring holes come around the turn or just after the turn, so... You've got in a stretch of six holes, three par fives, two short sub 400 yard par fours and the shortest par three on the course as well. All in the stretch of six holes from from nine through to 14. So I could quite reasonably see players going through that stretch in four, five, six under par potentially. Um, if conditions allow. There's water in play towards the end of the round as well. And as I say, it has been renovated. There's been some uh, some changes to this course. Uh, just reading some of the comments from people who've played this, um, either professionally or even from an amateur perspective over the, over the years, there's been a feeling that this course has had some kind of tricked up areas, I guess. Some of the greens were really quite undulating. Some of the pin positions were bordering on unfair so the dp world tour have come and had a look they've um put some changes or they've prescribed some changes to flatten the greens effectively um, which will make the greens faster it will allow them to get their stimp speeds up at least all of the bunkers on the course have been reshaped and uh, renovated as well and what they effectively did on the greens is they lifted the paspalum grass that was already there um physically cut it away from the greens flatten the greens and then relayed the same same green uh, same same turf back on the greens so um that's how it should uh, set up this week uh, i suspect it will be pretty firm i expect the greens will be pretty fast 
Um, and uh, yeah, often with these courses, when you see relay greens as well, they particularly for the first year or two, they are really quite firm. So um, it will be interesting to see how that manifests itself. Can you imagine Hamish and his son in this car this week listening to these conversations about the greens? <laughs> They're going to be loving this. <laughs> yeah absolutely loving it yeah we'll probably get there and it'll be uh, soft as you like and uh, and and uh, yeah everything will be spinning back on the ground i I can't see it i think it is going to be pretty firm um and that will present quite a challenge now there is some limited history i've included it in the stats on the website this week so do take a look it is pretty limited we have the 2011 volvo golf champions event that was held on what was the european tour at the time that was held here we've got a couple of other events on the mina tour um, from 2019 and 2020 and there are a few players in this week's field who were part of those events in 2019-2020. So there is some really quite patchy, but um, nonetheless, um, some event stat or some core stats worth wading through if you're that way inclined. Um, Paul Casey won this in 2011. Now, he won at 20 under par, and I'm not sure that we're going to get that deep under par this week. There are 20 to 25 mile, mile an hour winds forecast from Friday onwards. Thursday looks pretty calm. Then from Friday onwards, it's going to be quite tricky. And again, the general consensus, just reading some of the comments from people who've played this course, is that with any kind of wind, it would make this exposed course play pretty tough. So 20, 25 mile an hour winds. Friday looks like the windiest day. Relay greens, as I say, they're often pretty firm until they fully bed in. So I can see a scenario where players are, are missing a fair amount of greens here, um, either a combination of the uh, the wind and or the fact that the greens are pretty firm. So that, that will probably make the scoring um, come down a little bit. I can imagine it's going to be maybe, I don't know, if I was to pin a number on it, 12 under, 14 under, something like that. We shall see. Okay. So stretching. Yeah, I think so. I think it will present quite a challenge. Now, mm-hmm. going back to 2011, we do have some stats for that, that event there. Um, driving accuracy stats were pretty high across the field, and that, that kind of marries up to the description of the uh, of the course where the uh, fairways are fairly generous. But from there, and uh, the top five, just for reference, Paul Casey, Peter Hansen, Miguel Angel Jimenez, Stephen Gallagher, Robert Carlson... Um, those five managed to get around and navigate around the course and get into contention in different ways. Some of them hit lots of greens. Some of them just scrambled and putted particularly well. Paul Casey, in fact, um, was fairly low down in terms of his greens in regulation statistic, which is fairly unlike Paul Casey. And he scrambled and putted particularly well, which is fairly unlike Paul Casey. But um, yeah, the likes of Stephen Gallagher gives you an idea that you can navigate around this course with a strong greens and regulation game. Peter Hansen too. Um, Miguel Ango Jimenez again you know shorter hitter shapes the ball both ways and can find a way to get himself up and down on the uh, on the green so different ways to skin this I think Uh, bogey avoidance though I think if you're looking at one key stat that was the only real consistent statistic that I could find through those five players if you're making many more than maybe one bogey per day then you were losing ground back here what 13 13 years ago, back in 2011. Um, 
The only other thing I can pick out really, Casey was 14 under for the par fives. Hanson was 13 under. So both those guys really attacked the long holes. Miguel Angel Jimenez, um, in, in contrast, was 11 under for the par four. So he tackled it differently. Gallica was pretty level across all of the different um, all the different par threes, fours and fives. So again, very different ways that you can tackle this. For me, windy conditions, firm greens. I think this is going to put the emphasis on short game. And um, particularly for those who can't find the greens um, in the, just just through the wind or bouncing off greens and uh, finding themselves on and around the putting surfaces. I think you're going to need a decent short game, bogey avoidance. Um, I think it could be quite an attritional uh, you know, affair, really, particularly if Friday. You know, potentially we're looking at gusts, maybe 30, 35 miles an hour on, on Friday. So combined with fast greens, that should... Um, yeah, it should present quite a challenge, I think. I hope certainly. I, I, you know, it'd be, be nice to see something a bit more stretching than just a another twenty something under birdie fest. Um, I back four this week. I rattle through them, then I bring you guys in. Um, first up, I've backed Alex Fitzpatrick, thirty to one on Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, all the talk last week was about the potential for a Hoygaard double, wasn't it, with Rasmus and uh, Nikolai both up there. Perhaps this week it will be um, all the talk will be about a Fitzpatrick double. I've actually backed the double as well for um, full disclosure. So I've backed the Alex and Matt Fitzpatrick double across transatlantic double. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't quite describe it as transatlantic because there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of land mass and water between uh, between Bahrain and, uh, yeah. and Pebble Beach. But uh, yes, yes, in theory, the uh, transatlantic double. But yes, Fitzpatrick double this week for me. I backed him uh, backed him both singles as well. So Alex Fitzpatrick thirty to one. He's been really consistent, hasn't he, as well, since uh, since hitting the tour properly. He's only missed one cut since August. That was after winning on the Challenge Tour. Best finishes of second at the um, ISPS World Invitational. Fifth at Cross of Sierra. That's when we backed him that week. Eighth at the Australian Open as well. That closed his 2023 accounts. And he's finished 16th twice um, so far this year. First in the uh, Dubai Desert Classic and then again last week. At uh, in the Razal Kaima uh, Championship, he closed with a bogey three sixty six last week. He should be absolutely full of beans heading into this week. I think second for scrambling in the uh, embryonic new season stats on the DP World Tour. First for strokes gained around the green last week. He missed loads of greens last week. That's why his stats, statistics, or his um, scrambling and around the green looks so good. Um, I think everyone's going to miss greens this week. So. For me, he's one of the best equipped to really contend. And I think he's going to go really, really close this week. So I've stuck Alex Fitzpatrick up top. I backed him up with Sebastian Soderberg. Now, Soderberg was, what, 35? I got him at 30 to 1 yesterday. He's been tipped up. He's been heavily backed. 25 to 1 is the best price you're going to get on Soderberg. Sebastian Soderberg right now. Um, but again, 25 to 1, um, anything around that price, I think is worth taking. Um, he's a really consistent performer as well. He hasn't missed a cut since July of last year and some some strong performances within that time as well. 10 for the Barracuda, that PGA Tour, DP World Tour, co-sanctioned affair. Fifth at the Dunhill Links, sixth at the Nedbank, third in Mauritius before Christmas, ninth last week in Ras Al as well. Um, scrambled at over 80% last week in Raz Al-Khaimah at Alhamra. Um, that's the kind of number that I wanted to see coming into this week. 
Uh, one at Cranstall Sierra back in 2019. That was that five-man playoff, you'll recall, with uh, Rory McElroy and three others in there. So he has won in the past. And uh, it's got some decent efforts on trickier tests um, over the years. Fifth in the Wales Open at um, Celtic Manor. That was a particularly uh, windy uh, week, that one. Second at Valderrama. Second at the Belfry, which is always a challenge. Second last year as well in Abu Dhabi at Rolex Series level. So there's not many in this field that can boast that kind of level of performance. And a couple of longer shots to complete the team. Darren Fickard, 150 to 1 I took uh, yesterday. Um, he's drifted out a little bit, actually, Fickard. There's some 200s out there if you're going to take bog standard each way places. He missed the cut last week, which is probably why there's lack of um, interest in him. But I don't think Al Hamra particularly suits him. doesn't particularly play to his strengths. So um, I think this is much more up his alley. Second at the Joburg Open, seventh in Mauritius back end of 2023. I think that's a better indication of where his game is at right now. Um, 48 years of age now, but still hungry to succeed, I think. He won the Challenge Tour uh, last year. That was his first win anywhere for three years or so. Went to Q School, got his car through Q School. There's evidently some um, some desire and some hunger to um, to continue to progress his career before he... Uh, disappears off to the seniors in a year or so's time and a bit of wind won't hurt him i don't think he won the qatar masters back in 2003 that year that renewal was with a 20 15 20 mile an hour breeze throughout so fairly common or fairly consistent with what we're going to see this week i think so Fickard's in. The final one, Joshua, Joshua, Joshua Grenville Wood. 125 to 1 is the best price you're going to get right now. And um, is it one of those players that I hadn't heard a great deal about until really quite recently. 25-year-old. Represents the UAE, which um, is a little bit confusing given the name, which sounds particularly English. Um, and that is because he was English-born. He um, moved to Atlanta, Georgia with his dad, who was a um, professional at one of the uh, the golf clubs over there. He's moved over to the UAE. He's been granted UAE citizenship. And that is why he has the UAE flag next to his name now, which um, kind of clarifies that um, confusion, um, if there is any. Now... He's played a variety of lower-level tours over the years, the Mena Tour, the PGI, PGTI Indian Tour, the Asian Development, the Challenge Tour as well. Seems capable to me of um, performing at this higher level, though. Uh, we've seen him at the Qatar Masters, finished 6th, uh, 12th at the Saudi Open. That was on the Asian Tour just before Christmas. ninth last week in uh, Ras Al Khaimah as well. So some really quite impressive finishes um, in decent enough company to suggest that he can and will continue to perform at this kind of level. Also, one of those players who does have a little bit of form here on the course. He was second here at the Royal back in 2019. That was on the Mena Tour um, back in the, the day. Worth an each way tickle, I think, on Joshua. Joshua, I can't say his name. Joshua Grenville Wood this week, 125 to 1. So that's Grenville Wood, Fickard. Sebastian Soderberg and Alex Fitzpatrick for me, um, as well as the Fitzpatrick transatlantic around the world double each way. That's my four, Barry. Anything from you this week in uh, Bahrain? <coughs> I'm I'm struggling. I'm trying to find an angle. Uh, the uh, 
For fun, I want to back, well, for fun because you like him, I want to back Eddie Pepperell. Decent week last week, but just, I never, mm. you never know with Eddie if he's going to hold it or just let go off the boil. Um, thinking of maybe the French angle as well on the back of Pavon winning. Yeah, potentially. Th- that might mo- they, that might be the extra little motivator for one of the guys. Uh, right now, though, my yeah, I'm I'm so far out of sync with the European Tour. I don't want to say anything for fear that somebody might actually put ten pence each way in them and lose their money. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, surely it's not that bad, Barry. It's yeah, it's I I, I get the sentiment because with an, again another new event. A course that's been used very, very sparsely in the in history. It's uh, it's um, a bit of a bit of a minefield, but we'll give it a go anyway. We'll give it a go. I followed you last week, Paul, and it was a disaster. How Tong Lee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah, it's How Tong Lee. What, what you, you know with How Tong within about two holes where yeah. your bet where your money's going. Um, he doesn't leave anything to. Uh, levels of greyness it's very black and white i tell you what I'm doing this week I'm going to follow in on Fitzpatrick it'd be rude not to all makes makes sense to me I'm also going to go for a player that won three times in 2023 and this guy is on some incredible heater over his last six events he's finished first second fourth second fourth the fourth was last week at Raz Al Khaimah. Hmm. He's upwardly mobile. He's now 88th in the world. You wouldn't have thought it's a President's Cup year. He's Japanese, Kita Nakajima. Hmm. Yeah. This guy seems very, very, very capable. Yeah. He's long off the tee. He's got an excellent scrambling game. And he was second uh, a few months ago at that Dunlop Phoenix event over in Japan that included Matsuama, Brooks Kepka, a couple of other decent PGA Tour players. So he's no mug, this guy. I know the price isn't great, but um, he's he's the hot hand for me. So Nakajima. Mm. We don't really know how good he's going to be, do we? But um, there's certainly enough. Mm. Suggestion that he's um, there's, there's uh, you know potential superstar in the making there. Yeah. Is that us then, champs? Yep. Yeah, all good. All done. I hope you. I hope your bets go well. Yeah. Best of luck, chaps. You too, boys. Yeah. Let's get one. It's always one of my favourite weeks. Next week, I always love the Waste Management Phoenix Open on Super Bowl weekend. So I'm looking forward to that one. You've got a good event as well, Paul. Qatar Masters. So Indeed, yeah. we will be back next week. Don't forget, if you are listening to this on Spotify, just click that five star review button. That'd be magnificent. Send us in your Apple reviews, and we'll see you again next week. Cheerio. If you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system